and also just to say, uh, this coming over the week ahead, we have our, our prayer week as a church, King's Church Prayer Week. And we, we do this kind of uh, on and off throughout the year. We have times where we just gather, put a week aside where we gather uh, to pray. And just to highlight the venues and the time, so tonight, uh, 7.30 p.m. at the church offices will be our first time to pray. And then on Tuesday evening, I know there's a Tereo class at the offices, uh, so if you're not involved in that, uh, at Two Saunders Close, 7.30 p.m., Two Saunders Close, uh, which is our house, uh, come over and join us at our place. And uh, so that's Tuesday evening. And we'll get word out to you again. We'll keep reminding you of the times and the places uh, throughout the week, but that's Tuesday night. Also, just to say about connect groups uh, over the week, uh, that the connect groups will be meeting as they usually do, but at least at some point in the evening, there'll be a time given to pray. So, so that's another opportunity to pray as well. And then on Saturday night is a kind of climax, really. It's what we really go for is a 7.30 p.m. to midnight. And that's our, our half night of prayer, which traditionally uh, is a fabulous evening. It's an evening where we have time to genuinely uh, engage with God, worship Him, hear from Him, pray into what we hear. They are wonderful, life-changing, I think, life-changing evenings. They are wonderful, wonderful times. So uh, we have, there's a break halfway through. So if you want to swap over... So uh, the, the, the wife can come the first or second half, husband can come first or second half, just change over halfway through. But they are fabulous, fabulous evenings. So that's a Saturday night. All right, so just to flag that one up. And uh, the coming week is called our, our Breakthrough Prayer Week. Our Breakthrough Prayer Week. And that word breakthrough is really important because a breakthrough usually means a couple of things, doesn't it? It means we yearn for something to happen we are longing for something to occur. And then secondly, there's something in the way. There's something we need to break through. Something needs to happen for it to occur. And that's why we call it Breakthrough Prayer Week. I remember when I was in Australia, uh, I don't know, three or four years ago, uh, after a week with the church there, and it was such a busy, busy time. And, uh, oh, mate, thank you. <laughs> you shouldn't need to do that, Delhi. Um, but it was a very, very, very busy time over there in, in the, with the church in Sydney. And uh, I was desperate to come back home. It was so tiring. And uh, if you know me, you know that I hate being away from home at the best of times. I'm always I'm a homeboy, really. And uh, at the end of that week, I was like, I want to go home. And uh, so they dropped me off at the airport. But they dropped me off very shortly before the plane was due to take off. And I hadn't even checked in yet. So, so I get out of the car, dash over to the departures area. Uh, the, the doors open. I run in only to see literally hundreds of hundreds of people crammed into the departure lounge. And I had that, that sinking feeling of goodbye plane. <laughs> and I will stay stuck here in Sydney Airport. I think there'd been a baggage uh, conveyor belt breakdown or something. Something had occurred and chaos, mayhem. And I thought, that's it. And I thought, well, you know, how am I going to get home? And in other words, if there was ever a need for a breakthrough, it was then. Uh, and I still remember, though, that a voice came on the loudspeaker at that point, called out my flight number, and said, anybody on that flight come straight through to kiosk number 25 or something. And I thought, wow. And the whole crowd just parted like the <laughs> Red Sea, and I walked through with my bags, and I caught my plane, and I took off. It was a glorious breakthrough. <laughs> and... Uh, and that's what this week is really all about. It's about breaking through, all right? It's about seeing change happen. It's about seeing things we've longed for come to pass. 
And to help us into this, I wanted to take a look at this guy here. I want to go back to Nehemiah uh, and Nehemiah 1 and 1 through to 4. You might want to turn to it in your Bibles if you like, but don't worry, it'll appear on the screen and Julian's going to read the passage out to us. Nehemiah 1, because it's a great story of the kind of breakthrough we're talking about and how prayer played such a key role. So Julian's going to just come forward and read the passage for us. It's a great story, so uh, we'll put it on the screen as well. Here it is. In the month of Kislev, in the twelfth year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Han and I, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men. And I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the province and are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. And I said, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants. Thank you, Julian. Father, we do pray, Lord, we come before you right now, and I'm asking, God, that you would continue to meet with us now as we open up the story a little bit and hear more of your heart for prayer. Lord, I ask that you come, move in among us, Lord, as a church over the week ahead, that you breathe on us by your Holy Spirit, that you take us forward in our devotion to you and in our breakthroughs, Lord, that we long to see. God, come upon us now, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so just a little bit of background to the story, in case you're not aware. The people of God had been in exile in Babylon for a long, long time. Decades had passed by, and they had been far away from Israel, in exile, in Babylon. And then finally, uh, a, a prophecy was unearthed, discovered, uh, and actually through the, through the emperor, through the open-heartedness of the emperor, he, an opportunity arose for the people of God to finally go back to Israel, to, to, to Jerusalem. And, uh, and so, so whole waves of Jews began to take the long journey home from the center of Babylon, a long, long way, hundreds and hundreds of kilometers, a long journey back to Jerusalem. A long journey. And you've got to understand, it wasn't just that they were returning home and they'd longed to go home, but it wasn't just that they were returning home, it's that they were going back to rebuild their home. All right? Rebuild Jerusalem, which had been totally destroyed. And you've got to understand that Jerusalem was a very special place to this people. It was the place of their tupuna, their ancestors. It's where they had come from. It's who they were. And also Jerusalem was the place where the temple had been, the place where God had dwelt among them. And so by going back to Israel, really, they were going back to God. All right? They were going back to all that he had called them to be. They were going back to rebuild a relationship with him. They were longing for him. They were longing for home, but they were longing for him. And that's what this story is really all about. 
And so groups of them had been making the long journey back to repair and rebuild Jerusalem. But now, at the beginning of this chapter, all right, uh, kinsmen of Nehemiah, family members, had come back to Jerusalem, back to uh, Susa, Babylon, from Jerusalem, and basically they were saying, we've f- 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 failed. The walls of Jerusalem still aren't up. It's a total disaster area still. It's a mess. Jerusalem is still a mess. Walls are burnt down. And so the effects on Nehemiah, as you see, are quite extreme. He mourns, he weeps, he's brokenhearted, he's disappointed. It's like, will this ever happen? It's like, God, we need a breakthrough. And it's true, isn't it? Sometimes we just need a breakthrough. We need God to step in and do what we cannot do. And we can feel it deeply at times, can't we? Especially when it's to do with things that are very close to our hearts. And so even now as I'm speaking, I just want you to take a moment to forget about the person next to you and think about an area of your life that you need to see breakthrough in. All right, something deep in you, something that you want change in, that you need to see happen. I'm not talking about small things. You know, there are nice-to-haves. You know, it would be nice if the sun comes out this afternoon, perhaps. That'll be a nice-to-have. It'll be a nice-to-have if uh, the hall is as warm as this every Sunday. That's a nice-to-have. I don't think it's a need-to-have. It's a nice-to-have. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's like the car upgrade that you want. Uh, That could be a nice-to-have. Maybe it's that the All Blacks would win against Australia in a few weeks' time. Is that a nice-to-have or a need-to-have? There might be a need to have. Uh, but I'm not talking about those things. I'm talking about those things that are deeper than that. I'm talking about things that run far deeper. Those things that, that down inside you long for to the point that you grieve if you don't have it. What are you longing for this morning? If it helps, I'll mention a, a few of my own. A few things that deep down I long for. All right, so I'm going to be real honest with you now. Real open with you. I have three things. Three main things at the moment. The first thing is this. In all honesty, uh, I really long for more of God. All right, I I long for more of Him. Now, I've been a Christian since I was a teenager, and I thank God for all that I've seen. I thank God for the amazing answers to prayer, for the miracles that I've seen Him do, for the ways that He's spoken to me in time past, the ways that He's changed my life and provided for me. I've seen such things from God. But I'll be honest with you, I'm desperate for more. I'm desperate for a breakthrough. I'm desperate for more of my God. I so long for him. That's the first thing. Second thing is this. I long for more for this church. And again, I thank God for all that he's done. I thank God for the amazing end, answers to prayer, the faithfulness he's shown, the lives that have been changed, the presence of God that we have amongst us, the wonderful thing, ways that God has sustained us over the years. But I long for more. A year or two ago, a, a dear couple of ours in the church, uh, we were praying uh, together in the offices, Julie and I and this couple. We often, we, every now and then we meet to pray for our kids. And we're praying in the offices and we're praying and we're praying. And the kind of prayers we're praying is, God, you sent us out and start this church for more than this. And we were really crying out to God. God, you, you need to break through. We need to see more. And so that's true. I long for more for this church. And to be honest, this nation needs more churches like this one who love the word, who love the spirit, who love grace, who love leadership which serves and equips and sends. 
That's number two. The third thing, more personally, is I long for my youngest boy to come into a deeper walk with God than he's ever had. Our youngest son, Tommy, most of you will know Tom, and uh, he's a beautiful boy, so proud of him, but he struggled in his walk with God. And uh, so every day, Julie and I, we hold hands every single day, did it again this morning, and we pray for the Spirit to come upon him and for God to meet with him. Right? That's a personal, God, I'm looking for breakthrough. So that's my three. That's my three. What are yours? What do you long for? Maybe it's to do with your own walk with God or maybe in your own home again. Maybe your marriage. Maybe there's a sense inside of you where you're thinking, he doesn't understand me or she doesn't understand me. Maybe it's your kids. God, we need you to break through for our kids. Maybe, maybe it's your health. Maybe it's your job. God, this is killing me. I need to see change. Maybe it's prophecies that you've had said over you. God, you said you would bring me into this ministry and it's still not come through yet. We need breakthrough. Maybe you just need direction. God, you need to speak to us about where we go from here. Right? We need breakthroughs. Well, listen, Nehemiah knows what that feels like. He longed for God to break through to change the situation. And as you read further, and we'll see this afterwards, you'll find that God does bring amazing breakthrough. He opens, actually opens the way for Nehemiah himself to go back to Jerusalem and see the walls of Jerusalem rebuilt. It's an amazing, amazing story. But the thing is, we can see right here that there's something Nehemiah does that triggers the breakthrough, all right? That sets it off. And you can see it right back here in verse 4 of this passage where, where it says here, this is Nehemiah speaking, When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. I fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. I, I just want to touch on those two things, fasted and prayed, because they have a critical place in the breakthrough, all right? Especially as we come to our week of prayer, I want to touch on them. So, so first of all, it says, I, I fasted, I fasted. What's that really all about? I mean, it's not something we talk about much these days as a church, is it? And... Uh, and I know this, that years ago, when I used to think of fasting, I thought, that's a bit extreme. And I'd picture uh, an old, old, for some reason, I used to picture thin old men on hilltops, dressed in kind of rags, contemplating. And uh, that's what I thought of when I thought of fasting. But actually, just to let you know, it's everywhere in the Scriptures. And not just in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament too. Did you realize that? In fact, Jesus intends it to be one of the key expressions of seeing his kingdom move on the earth. I mean, it's interesting. Matthew chapter 5, the first, those chapters around there, Matthew 5 and 6 and 7, very famous portion of scripture. It's that famous sermon, you know, when he preaches the Beatitudes, blessed are the poor, blessed are the pure in heart, blessed are the merciful. It's an incredible body of teaching on the mountain, the Sermon on the Mount, very famous. And these incredible chapters are where he lays out the values of his kingdom people. All right? And it's fascinating because in chapter 6, all right, he describes the personal devotion of his kingdom people. And he mentions three particular areas. So he mentions the fact that we, we give alms, we give to the poor. 
He talks about that and how we should do that, our attitude with which we should do that. Then after that, number two, he talks about prayer and how we should pray, what attitude we should bring to that. And then thirdly, he talks about fasting and how we are to do that. All right? Giving, prayer, and fasting. Now, now we'd say, well, to the first two, we go, of course, giving. Yeah, we need to give. And yeah, we need to pray. But we need to remember that the third one is right up there as well, fasting. And it's interesting that Jesus, he didn't say if you fast, he said when you fast. All right? And the expectation is that in this time of kingdom advance, we will too. Right? Just laying it out there. And certainly in times where breakthrough is required, you'll see this word again and again in Scripture, like in Nehemiah's day. But it is an odd thing, isn't it? In the Western culture where many of us are from, it's a very, very odd thing. I mean, how is it that, that choosing not to eat, because that's what fasting is, choosing not to eat is, is somehow an act of devotion which can trigger a divine breakthrough from God? How does that work? All right, how does it work? Ever thought, how does me not eating cause breakthrough from God? Where's the connections? That's the thing. How does that, what's the dynamic? How does that work? Well, it's interesting. James Dunn in his book on prayer is really helpful. He says this, Most often when fasting is referred to in the Bible, it's nearly always partnered with prayer and it's always in the context of humility or self-humbling. Isn't that interesting? And you can see this. So, so Psalm 35, this is a David the psalmist. He simply says, I humbled myself with fasting. Psalm 69, I wept and humbled my soul with fasting. And then Ezra, Ezra 8, Ezra says, There by the Ahava Canal I proclaimed a fast so that we might humble ourselves before our God. Right? So the act of fasting is an act of humbling yourself before God, which, by the way, is a teaching of the Scriptures. It's not so much that we should pray, God, humble me. Watch out, he might answer that prayer. No, the Bible says, Peter says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Humble yourselves. And when you look back in Nehemiah, you can see this is what he's doing. He's humbling himself, and you can see that by the way that he prays. Because really his prayer is a desperate cry. God of heaven, great and awesome God, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night. It's like, God, we need you. We are cast upon you. And that's what fasting is. It's an acknowledgement that in ourselves, we are powerless to change a situation. We are utterly unable and we are cast on God and his mercy. It's like, God, here I am. I strip everything away. I'm not depending on anything. It's just me. I'm not even depending on food. I'm turning to you. That's what fasting is. It's an act of self-humbling. And you'll see this again and again in Scripture. In fact, another famous example of this is also in the Old Testament in 2 Chronicles 20 with a king with the glorious name of Jehoshaphat. I could talk for hours on the name Jehoshaphat. It's a glorious name. I mean, I'm a grandfather. I'm looking for more grandchildren. I can't wait to have a grandchild with the name of Jehoshaphat Henari. Uh, there's a certain ring to it. Jehoshaphat, it just sounds like gregarious, big Jehoshaphat. Uh, 
He wouldn't be a small, little, skinny guy, would he? Just, anyway, it's another story. Jehoshaphat, right, he's king in Jerusalem. And there comes a moment when the kingdom has been invaded and attacked by a vast, vast army. Other nations have joined up and they want to wipe out God's people. And so it says in verse 3 of 2 Chronicles 20, it simply says this, Alarmed, Jehoshaphat proclaimed a fast for all Judah. And then on the back of the fast, he stands up among the people and he prays and his prayer says what fasting demonstrates. So his prayer is this. For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. It's a wonderful, wonderful prayer. We have no power. We don't know what to do. We're at the end of ourselves. We need a breakthrough. We are cast on you. It's self-humbling. We do not have the ability. We need yours. And that's what fasting expresses. And the great point of these two stories, Jehoshaphat and Nehemiah, is to tell us that the place of self-humbling in this way is a very powerful place to be. It's a very powerful place to be. And the Bible teaches this again and again. James, and James 4 simply says this, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And in case you don't get that, the next book in the New Testament, Peter says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. In other words, where there is genuine humility before God, casting ourselves upon him, there is a release of God's power. It's like we give God room to move. So why do we fast? Well, it's about positioning ourselves to receive blessing from God. As if God is pouring out a bucket of grace our way, and by fasting we're positioning ourselves to catch it. That's what it means to fast. And of course, as we go on uh, to see in these two stories, there are incredible breakthroughs. God does the impossible. All right? In Jehoshaphat's day, God breaks in, he ambushes the enemy and totally wipes them out. In Nehemiah's situation, God sets up an amazing train of events. So as I said earlier, Nehemiah is sent through to Jerusalem and he sees the walls of Jerusalem built. Amazing breakthrough. And that's why prayer and fasting are so often partnered in the scriptures because one says what the other demonstrates. It's a bit like even this morning, as we were praising God, worshipping Him, you're not just singing songs, your heart is engaged, your hands are raised, you are physically demonstrating what your heart is singing out. And that's a bit like what fasting is. It, it, it demonstrates what you are saying in terms of your casting yourself on God. So it's about redirecting that praise. And, and you've got to understand, when we talk about self-humbling, we're not talking about despairing. Right? We're not saying, well, we're so weak and there's no hope, how miserable we are. No, no, it, it, it's re-aiming, it's refocusing where we put our trust. So, so yes, we acknowledge our inability, but we celebrate his ability and his goodness and his mercy. All right? We do that. Again, Jehoshaphat, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. All right? Nehemiah the same, Lord the God of heaven, the great and awesome God, be attentive to our prayer. You see, full of faith. We're talking about faith-filled fasting, faith-filled praying. We don't have the ability 
but yes, he does. One last quote before we end, and it's this one, one of my favorite quotes. Our limitless trust in God seems to satisfy him as nothing else can do because it corresponds with his eternal faithfulness, it honors his truthfulness, and is a constant, silent worship of all his perfections. So listen, when we fast and pray like this, we are worshiping him for his perfections. We are worshiping him with our faith. We're putting all our eggs in his basket. We're putting all our trust and our hopes and our dreams into his lap. We are trusting him. We are throwing ourselves out of our own ability and casting ourselves upon his. A few weeks ago, uh, I was dropping, Julie and I were dropping um, Izzy and Ellie Mae uh, back to their home uh, after a very long day for them because daycare is a very long day when you're only two years old or under to two years old. And uh, Ellie Mae had a very long day in her daycare. And so we picked them up, we drove them back to their place, and we parked the car. And I remember taking Ellie Mae again, she's not even two, take her out. And I placed her at her driveway and said, off you go, Ellie Mae. And Ellie Mae, after a long, hard day, because you're not even two yet, and it's a hard day being a, a daycare, she kind of shuffles down the driveway like this, <laughs> shoulders droop further, and then she stops. And then she turns around to me and goes, Papa! And so I just scoop her up. In a funny kind of way, that's what we're talking about. Really, she's saying, I can't walk anymore. I'm at the end of myself. Can you please carry me? And of course, I delight to do so. I have nothing. You have what I need, Papa. I cast myself upon you. And she does. She finds that I'm eager to come and catch her. Of course, my dear. That's what we're talking about. That's the place of breakthrough. That's the place of breakthrough. And that's what this week is all about. All right? It's humbling ourselves before God and crying out to Him in faith, worshiping His perfections. Hallelujah. And so this week of prayer we're about to have is going to be a supernatural week of prayer. We could have called it a breakthrough prayer week. I want to call it a supernatural breakthrough prayer week. All right, because, because we're, going to be, we're going to see a supernatural week of praying. Supernatural because we're believing for breakthrough, we're believing for change, and we're positioning ourselves to see that happen. So listen, every time we meet, I tell you, every time we meet the Tuesday night, the, the middle of the week, or the Saturday night, or even tonight, we're going to pray for things far beyond our ability to see happen. But also, I want to encourage you, come and join us. And as you join us, I'm going to ask you to come and bring that one or two things that you need to see breakthrough in. Not that you can share it with everybody else. You don't need to do that. But there'll be a moment every time we meet, maybe five or ten minutes, where we're going to say, now, folks, bring your petition before God. And at that moment, you're going to bring forward those things, those, that, that change that you need, that, that yearning that you have to see genuine breakthrough. And we're going to pray around those petitions. And we're going to ask God to bring the breakthrough in every single situation. So that long time afterwards, I want to hear about testimonies and stories of what God did during that breakthrough week of prayer. That's what we're looking for. So, I want to encourage you this week, not only to join us in prayer, but also to join us in fasting. And all fasting is, is not eating. It's all it is. 
And for you, it might be, well, I've not been, never done this before, Pete. Or it might just simply be you don't eat, you might, you, instead of the, the lunch time you usually have, you don't eat for lunch. It might mean that you use that time instead for a few minutes just to bring before God the things that you're crying out to God for. It might be a lunch you miss, a breakfast maybe, it might be a breakfast and a lunch. It might be a breakfast every day during the week. It might be a lunch every day. It might be the meal in the evening, once or every day, whatever it means to you. But I want to ask you to take this really seriously as an opportunity to see God move profoundly upon the church and profoundly in your life as well. So come and pray, and the invitation is come and pray and fast. Okay? And I'm believing this, that not only will God meet with us during this week, but as I say, over the coming months, there'll be many testimonies of breakthrough. Amen. Let's stand, shall we? Let's just stand where we are. I don't know whether we can sing that last song we, we ended with, um, Kate. Sure. What a powerful name. But just before she... We do. Can I just read the week of prayer has started this morning? Nehemiah saw tremendous breakthrough. Jehoshaphat saw astonishing breakthrough. We pray, and as we pray, we get to know God more. Absolutely. We also pray and fast because we want to see change happen around us. So just before we close, I want to ask you again, where do you need to see breakthrough? Forget about the person next to you. Just you and God. What do you long for? What are you desperate for? What do you yearn to see change? Because none of us wants to stay where we are. I love God. I'm so grateful for what he's done in my life, but I am not satisfied. Funny, the older I get, the more I long for more of him. The more I'm aware that the world offers nothing in comparison to what he does. And I still want to see changes happen around me. Between you and God now. Holy Spirit, would you please awaken in each one of us, or certainly some here, a sense of, God, you can bring change in this situation. Father, you know what each one of us is battling with. We can look so confident and happy on the outside in a public arena like this, but you know what keeps us awake at night. You know what we toss and turn with in our yearning. You know our desperate cries for help and for change. And so, Father, as we begin this week, would you please come upon us? Lord, we are going to Strip ourselves away, as it were, and say, we need you, God. We don't lean on anything else, any other resources we have. We now turn to you and say, God, will you please bring breakthrough in our lives? 
for those who need a shift in their job or a breakthrough in their family, their marriage, with their children, with direction, with, with, with vision, with ministry that you promised. God, we want to bring it all to you over this week. Lord, we want to bring this church to you over this week. And we thank you for all that you've done. But Lord, you've prophesied and promised us more. And so Lord, we want this week to be a trigger in seeing a whole new wave of breakthrough among us in Jesus' name. So Father, even now as we stand before you, will you come and rest upon us? And we bring to you those things that mean most to us, the things we ache over. We bring them before you now. And we say, Father, will you come? Will you break through? Will you bring change in the powerful, beautiful name of Jesus? In the name of Jesus. say what a powerful name we thank you that when that name is spoken hallelujah in faith and expectation we know Lord we're asking a name that we can trust in 
Lord, we're looking for change and breakthrough. You know the hearts of your people. You know each one here and what we're facing. And God, we say to you, we love you. We trust you. In and of ourselves, we do not have the resources or the strength. But Lord, our eyes are upon you. And we are looking for you to bring about mighty change and breakthrough in our lives. And, and, and children restored. And marriages healed. And people born again. And we want to see signs of the kingdom with healing and the prophetic like we've never seen. And we're looking for a church that's full of your grace and power. God, we're asking you for what only you can do, knowing this is close to your heart. God, we love you and we trust you. What a powerful name it is. There's no rival, Lord. It's your name or none at all. Let's sing that one, shall we?